ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Are the Colts a legit Super Bowl contender? That's the question that Amber and I are asking. Tap in on the Candy call-in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And Amber, the reason why we're asking that question is because earlier today, the Atlanta Falcons made the decision to trade Matt Ryan to the Indianapolis Colts. Now the Colts send back a 2022 third-round pick. And you got to think, with the dead cap hit that the Atlanta Falcons are going to take on, over $40 million dollars, that this was the Falcons doing a solid for Matt Ryan because the draft compensation just doesn't fit when you consider the cap hit that the Colts are eating to send Matt Ryan to the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, historic cap hit. I really thought that they were going to structure this so that Indianapolis absorbed some of that. Apparently not. So, yes, it seems like they decided to do right by the guy that they drafted who spent 14 years with them and who hung in there with them and helped – during this Deshaun Watson pursuit, he said, okay, you can, we'll delay that, that next roster bonus. And you have until 4 PM Monday to make your decision. And, and their decision was to trade him to the place that obviously Matt Ryan wanted to go. And who wouldn't, because in terms of potential destinations, this was the team best suited to compete. Now, if a quarterback walked into that situation, I think Chris, in fact, you and I were talking whenever we did the show back when, and we said, where's the best place for any of these quarterbacks trade or free agency to end up. And I think you said the Indianapolis Colts, because we know about that O-line, you know, it's excellent. We obviously know about that running game and Jonathan Taylor, and, and they still have an elite defense. Now, I don't think that this comes with zero problems for the Colts, right? Like it's just a Band-Aid, which man, I mean, it has been Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid since Andrew Luck. This isn't a long-term solution with Matt Ryan, and this is a two-year type situation with Matt Ryan at the helm. But because of that O-line and because of that running game and because of that defense, they're going to be in a position to try to compete and win now, and they didn't want to miss their opportunity to do that, and Matt Ryan absolutely gives them the best opportunity to do that. Yeah, and Amber, you mentioned the revolving door that the Colts have had at quarterback. This is per our Adam Schefter. Since 2016, they're week one starters. Andrew Luck in 2016 was the week one starter. 2017, Scott Tolzien was the week one starter. 2018, Andrew Luck. 2019, Jacoby Brissett. 2020, Phillip Rivers. 2021, Carson Wentz. And now 2022, Matt Ryan. That is a revolving door at the quarterback spot, but... Frank Wright and Chris Ballard have found a way to be able to make it work over the last four years. You look at it, three of those four years were winning seasons, and two of those four years they made the playoffs. So it's not as if they don't know how to get it done with a you know a, a you know a who's who in terms of the cast that's playing quarterback. Now um, I look at this situation with Matt Ryan and say he's an upgrade from what we saw from Phillip Rivers two years ago, and that was a Colts team that was playing in wildcard weekend up in Buffalo. So I absolutely expect that the Indianapolis Colts can contend and win in the AFC South. But I think the bigger question is, how far can Matt Ryan take this team and how much tread does Matt Ryan have on the tires in terms of you know, being a viable option for the Colts moving forward beyond 2022? I think those are questions that Chris Ballard and Frank Reich are going to have to answer because – 
based on those answers, they'll have to formulate their plan for what they're going to do at the quarterback position long term. Ryan has thrown for more than 4,000 yards in a season 10 times since he got into the NFL. Obviously, he won that MVP back in 2016. We've seen him play in a Super Bowl, but he's probably going to have to play more like Phillip Rivers did when he was with the Colts. And they had success there with Rivers. So obviously, like you said, to your point, the Colts can have success with Matt Ryan. Again, imagine what that success would look like if it hadn't been a who's who of these revolving quarterbacks, right? Like at some point... The Colts have to address this situation with some sense of continuity and build for the future. They're not doing that here with Matt Ryan, but they are trying to win now with Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan, absolutely, like I said, can be like Phillip Rivers was to them in 2020. And and he can definitely be a very serviceable quarterback, even if he's aging some, frankly, in his late 30s, because not everybody performs like Tom Brady as they get into their late 30s and their early 40s. That being said, I also don't know exactly what Matt Ryan looks like with a better team around him. It's not like things have been so great in Atlanta the last couple years. He'll have a lot of help there in the backfield. Now, I wouldn't say the weapons are the best. Like, they do have some depth issues on this team at receiver. Uh, Tight end, they they have some issues there. Um, There's definitely some pieces missing with this Colts team. So, I'm not willing to say... Matt Ryan, boom, Super Bowl contender. But, of course, if we had had the conversation last offseason about the Cincinnati Bengals being a Super Bowl contender, we probably would have said no, too. So, you never know, Chris Canty. Yeah, you're right about that. And every team has warts. The one thing I will say is if you're the Colts, now that you have Matt Ryan, you have a better chance of being able to land some of those veteran wide receivers that are out there in the free agent marketplace if that's what you want to dabble in. And it's not like it's outside of the realm of possibility that with their second-round pick, they might go out and get a receiver. We've seen receivers in the second round make huge impacts early on in their career, DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown, just to name a few. So it's just it's one of those situations where it's a problem, but it's not as if Chris Ballard doesn't have the resources to solve that problem. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio trying to figure out whether or not Matt Ryan – and the acquisition by the Colts makes them a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Again, we're taking your calls on the candy call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And, Amber, as far as the AFC South is concerned, where do you put the Colts now that they do have Matt Ryan in the fold? Well, obviously, uh, that division has, I would say, one other contender that's a problem for the Indianapolis Colts. I I know the Jags have spent money this offseason. I'm not willing to go ahead and and give my respect to the Jags yet. And then the Houston Texans, (laughs) I mean, come on. The Texans are obviously in total rebuild mode. So I'm not, neither of those teams aren't part of this conversation. This conversation comes down to Tennessee Titans, Indianapolis Colts. And the Titans last season, with as much time as so many of their weapons uh, missed. I mean, all of their, I mean, even A.J. Brown missed like six weeks during the season. And we know what happened there with Julio Jones and everything else. So I will say that it's still the Titans for me. If in fact all pieces are healthy because of what we saw the season before from the Tennessee Titans and how we, how good we know that that team can be. I just don't know exactly what this is going to look like. Although I think it's going to look good with Matt Ryan at the helm there in Indianapolis. And certainly this is an upgrade from Carson Wentz and frankly, an upgrade from any of their other options. I guess Deshaun Watson would have been better than Matt Ryan, but beyond him, uh, any of these other quarterbacks, the Jimmy Garoppolo's 
of the world or even the Mitchell Trubisky's of the world who were available this offseason, I think Matt Ryan is an upgrade from all of those pieces. So I do think that they are going to be nipping at the heels of the Titans. I'm still going to give the edge to the Titans right now. Okay, let me make the case for the Colts by tearing down the Tennessee Titans, if I may. The first thing I will say is Matt Ryan is the best quarterback in the AFC South. I don't even think that's... Subjective. I that's think that's not, just that's fact. Sub- that's yes, just fact. fact of the matter. I'm he's the best that. quarterback in the division. Like he's he's better than Trevor Lawrence right now. He's better than Davis Mills, and he's better than Ryan Tannehill. Last time we saw Ryan Tannehill, he threw three interceptions against the Cincinnati Bengals, and was a big part of why the Bengals were able to move past um, past the divisional rounds. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is this: when it comes to health for the Tennessee Titans. I don't know that I can assign the same level of health to Derrick Henry that we've seen from him in the past when he was winning rushing titles. I I just don't see that. Running backs typically don't get healthier as they get older, and we're talking about a big man that had to have a major surgery on his foot. I mean, running running backs, they need their feet in order to do their job. I mean, by by the name of the position. So, I mean, I I just – I don't know that we're going to get the same version of Derrick Henry – that we saw that led this Tennessee Titans to multiple playoff appearances over the last three years. So that's another part of the the equation. And then when I look at the defense, this Tennessee defense, although they do have playmakers in their front seven, the back end leaves a lot to be desired. And I, and I just didn't see them making the moves in the early parts of free agency in order to address that position. So I, I don't know. man. I look at this Colts team. I look at the front seven, Yannick Ngakwe and DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard. I look at the back end with Kenny Moore. Th- that is a rock-solid defense. They were top ten in points from a year ago. Uh, and then you look at the offensive side of the ball. Although they don't have the receivers, you are talking about them having an MVP candidate in the backfield and Jonathan Taylor. That makes things a lot easier in terms of Matt Ryan being able to operate off of play action. And the one thing I will say about Matt Ryan is that I trust him a heck of a lot more than I trusted Carson Wentz last year, and you're really only asking him to be the difference in two or three games in this season coming up as opposed to the quarterback being the difference in a bad way for the Colts in two or three games last year. So that is my case for the Indianapolis Colts to win the AFC South, and I want to know if there are some people out there that agree with me. So, again, hit us up on the candy call in line, 888-ESPN, that's 888 Three seven seven six. Coming up next, do the optics of the Deshaun Watson contract hurt the NFL? Interesting perspective from Amber Wilson and I. We'll get into it. You're listening to ESPN Radio. More after this. ESPN Radio. Making Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. The Cleveland Browns are trading with the Houston Texans and acquiring quarterback Deshaun Watson. My Browns finally care about winning. That's all we've been about for 20 years. Wilson and Candy on ESPN Radio and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on Twitter at AmberW790 and at ChrisCandy99. And Amber, the Cleveland Browns are making major moves by breaking the bank and giving Deshaun Watson a lot of green to the tune of five years, $230 million, fully guaranteed. And that is a heck of a glow up for Deshaun Watson because on his previous contract with the Houston Texans, he was making $39 million on average annual value. Now with this current contract, it jumps up to $46 million a year. 
And as we mentioned before, the structure of the contract only has a $1 million base salary, and we are assuming that his representation made sure to put that in the contract because that guards against any pending suspension or discipline the NFL might impose in the 2020-22 season. Um, that would minimize whatever fine that Deshaun Watson would have to pay for the missed game. So I know you made an interesting point in our production meeting about the optics of the contract and what that means for the Cleveland Browns as well as what that means for the NFL because we did get a statement from D and Jimmy Haslam, the owners for the Cleveland Browns, that said they did their due diligence on the Deshaun Watson situation. They were adamant about talking with him and discussing the previous incidents with the 22 pending civil suits and wanting to find out more about it. And they got to a place with their due diligence where they were comfortable bringing him into their organization and giving him the contract that they gave him. So your thoughts on that situation and what the optics of this say about the Browns and the NFL. Right. And and apparently the, the Browns didn't speak to any of the alleged victims or the victim's attorney. I don't, that's not even surprising to me, frankly. And I don't really care about the statement from the Cleveland Browns. They're going okay. to be falling all over themselves right now, trying to justify this move. And the reason I don't care, Chris, is because obviously actions speak louder than words, right? Like at the end of the day, they handed him 230 million guaranteed in the midst of all of these allegations with the pending suits and short of the pending suits we know that at least 23 women have accused Deshaun Watson of sexual assault and sexual misconduct. And he is now the highest paid player in NFL history. He now has $230 million guaranteed dollars. They were willing to trade three first rounders to the Houston Texans in order to acquire him. Only the second time in NFL history that has ever happened. This is a historic deal on all fronts. So frankly, whatever the Browns say and blah, 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 yada, yada. At the end of the day, they made the historic trade because Deshaun Watson plays football very well. That's why it, it, it's, it has nothing to do with the legal woes. They were overlooking all of that. And the optics of this to me are terrible, not because Deshaun Watson has a job. We all knew he would. He's a 26 year old quarterback who was a top five quarterback. The last time we saw him play football, I'm realistic. Obviously there's a market for that in the NFL. He yep. was going to have a huge trade market. We knew that we knew the Texans would get a haul for them for that for him none of that is surprising to me whatsoever what is surprising to me is that this deal in terms of dollars to him and in terms of picks to the Texans doesn't look one cent different or one trade asset different than it would have had he been traded when he requested a trade without a single woman accusing him of anything so 23 women later in fact you could even argue that those dollars are bigger now so after 23 women accusing him 22 pending civil suits because by the way not all the accusers ended up filing the civil suits one woman filed a criminal complaint who didn't even file a civil suit so I think it's 24 women actually in total that have accused him of some sort of sexual misconduct over time but regardless we know the 22 have the pending civil actions against him in the face of all that what has happened with that many women accusing him of sexual misconduct is absolutely nothing. And in in actually, you could actually argue that it's helped him. It's helped Deshaun Watson. It has helped his bank account, Chris, that he had 23 women or 22 women accuse him of sexual misconduct. Yeah, and, and I think in the court of public opinion, there's this presumption of guilt just based on the sheer number of accusers because how could you have 23, 24 women? You know, you're talking about two dozen women saying 
that Deshaun Watson committed acts of sexual misconduct and all of them be, you know, conspiring against them or potentially lying about it. There's a there's an uncomfortable fact pattern to have to acknowledge if you're the Cleveland Browns or if you're the National Football League. And so, Amber, I have to turn this around and ask you this question. Would it have been better from an optic standpoint for Cleveland and for the National Football League if Deshaun Watson, when traded to the Browns, came in and played in 2022 under his previous contract with the Houston Texans. Yeah, that's the problem here. The problem here isn't that Deshaun Watson was traded. We all knew he would be again, and, and we knew that there'd be a market for him. What we didn't know is that he was going to get a new deal because he was paid like a free agent four years before he would have been one. He didn't need to be paid like that. The whole reason he was is because the Cleveland Browns were so desperate to get this quarterback, and he very obviously did not want to go to Cleveland at the end of these trade discussions, so they gave him 230 million reasons why. That looks awesome. Awful, the optics of that deal, but also because, again, we're talking about a reward then and the highest paid quarterback and, and player in NFL history. But it's not just the sheer numbers of it. It's also the way that this is structured. The one million dollars in base salary this upcoming season, because we all know that there's most likely going to be a suspension. And so he's not going to be hit in the pocketbook basically whatsoever by a suspension. Like maybe he'll lose a few hundred thousand on the structure of this contract based on how we expect him to probably be suspended this upcoming season. And that remains to be seen how the NFL is going to handle that. But a few hundred thousand, Chris, isn't much, I would imagine, when you're worth something like 300 million, right? I I mean, Mm -hmm. I would imagine that this doesn't hurt very much Deshaun Watson in the pocketbook. And in that manner, he's circumventing the NFL's punishment. And of course, the Browns evaded him in doing that by appeasing Watson and Watson's representation in allowing or in structuring the deal this way. And the optics of all of that, the optics of avoiding the punishment in effect from a financial perspective for having 22 women with pending civil actions against you for sexual misconduct, it looks terrible. Yeah, it's a bad look. Now, I'll say this. Deshaun Watson was off the field for an entire calendar year. I get it. It wasn't a suspension, but he wasn't able to play the game that he loved. So that's not nothing when talking about this entire situation. The other, part about, the other part about it is with the contract, the Cleveland Browns weren't going to be able to land Deshaun Watson otherwise. So I get that it's uncomfortable when we look at the structure but without the fully guaranteed $230 million, without having the $1 million base salary in 2022, Deshaun Watson wasn't going to do a 180 and allow Cleveland to enter back into the running in order to acquire his services. So from that perspective, I can understand why Cleveland decided to go along with whatever Deshaun Watson's representation decided they wanted to do in terms of reworking a contract. But With the NFL, this has got to be a really uncomfortable position to be in because, as you mentioned before, Deshaun Watson was under contract for another four seasons. It wasn't as if a deal had to be imminent, but it brings me to this point, Amber. That is the power of having a no-trade clause in this situation, and I'm curious to see whether or not young quarterbacks insist on having a no-trade clause built into their contracts. We saw it with Russell Wilson and him being able to put himself with the Denver Broncos. And now we're seeing it with Deshaun Watson having a no-trade clause effectively kicked off a free agency process for him. So we'll have more on that. Whether or not the optics of the $230 million guaranteed contract 
make it bad for the Browns, make it worse for the Browns in the NFL. We want to hear from you on the candy call-in line, 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Brandon in Maine, we see you. Ryan in New York, we're going to get to you guys on the other side of the break. Coming up next, Deshaun Watson now in Cleveland. What happens with Baker Mayfield, and will he be a week one starter? We'll have that for you as well. But first, a word from eBay. When a part of your offense isn't firing on all cylinders, it shows. Maybe it's a drop ball. Maybe you just can't work your way down the field. Whatever it is, when this happens, the only solution is to replace that part with something better. It's the same with your car. But unlike in sports, a new batch of car parts can't be drafted every year. That's why eBay Motors exists. They have all the right parts at the right prices. In fact, eBay Motors has 122 million parts. That's a lot of parts. But that way you can get the parts you need to make your car a winner. Visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. More ESPN Radio after this. ESPN Radio. It's Amber Wilson and Chris Canny on ESPN Radio and E+. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We're taking your calls on the Canny call-in line. 888-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Mark in Houston. Mike in Texas. Derek in New Jersey. We see you. We're going to get to you guys in a little bit. But, Amber, right now, we got to go out to the call-in line and bring on ESPN NFL analyst Mina Kimes. And, Mina, we appreciate a few minutes of your time And we want to get straight to it. The Cleveland Browns gave Deshaun Watson a monster contract after trading for him from the Houston Texans to the tune of five years, $230 million, fully guaranteed. It's insane to think that an NFL owner would write a $230 million check to be put in escrow and paid out according to the schedule of the contract. It's an unbelievable commitment from the Cleveland Browns. But in looking at that commitment, does the contract that Watson got exacerbate a situation that's already a bad look when it comes to the optics, knowing that there are 22 civil cases that are still pending for Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I think what it does, Chris, is it sends a message that probably many NFL fans already suspected, which is for a lot of these teams, not just Cleveland, they certainly weren't the only team in the running, um, winning Trump's everything and that's not to say that Deshaun Watson who of course was not criminally charged should never play football again or you know doesn't deserve any second chances at any point or is definitively guilty but what's notable here is all of this is still up in the air the NFL investigation is pending the 22 civil suits are out there there has been independent reporting that corroborates some of those suits Uh, So for Cleveland to do this, to make this sort of investment, and by the way, structure the contract to minimize any financial punishment Watson will face if he's actually suspended, well, I I think they couldn't make their priorities here any clearer. And I think it's caused a lot of consternation amongst fans, certainly of the Browns, but also fans beyond this team. I wonder if it would have been any different if it was 50 women or 150 women, Mina. It's just been remarkable to watch that component of this. But also remarkable is, of course, the sheer magnitude of this deal and the fact that $230 million is fully guaranteed. What does that mean for the quarterback market moving forward? Do you think that this resets the whole market when Joe Burrow, obviously Lamar Jackson first, but Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, even after next season, are probably going to be in a position to negotiate too? Is this going to reset the market for all of those guys? 
I think it does. Um, you know, I think Watson had a little bit of unusual leverage, which, by the way, it's incredible that a quarterback who was accused by two dozen women somehow gained leverage after sitting out for a year. But just to put a pin in that, um, you know, both of those other quarterbacks, you know, what it ultimately comes down to in terms of your value is if you're willing to challenge the team by playing out the contract, we've seen Kirk Cousins been rewarded for that recently. Um, so I, I don't think they'll have maximal leverage, but now, you know, it seems like $40 million and up is the going price for any quarterback. You know, Matt Ryan just signed a deal that averages about that, which is comparable to Dak Prescott. You've got a number of quarterbacks making more, including most recently Aaron Rodgers. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Burrow and Jackson, amongst other quarterbacks, earn at least, you know, $45 million a year. Wow. That's incredible to think that's where the quarterback market is. We're talking to ESPN NFL analyst Mina Kimes on ESPN Radio. And Mina, the news of the day, the Atlanta Falcons were openly flirting with Deshaun Watson. They didn't land that plane, but they did come to an agreement with the Indianapolis Colts to trade Matt Ryan for a third-round pick. Your thoughts on the move for both the Colts and the Falcons? Well, from the Falcons' perspective, I mean, they're eating, I believe, $40 million a cap, which is the consequence of restructuring Matt Ryan, pushing that financial pain down the road. I think this is something they should have done a long time ago, recognizing not Matt Ryan diminishing, by the way, but the uh, barrenness of their own roster. I think they should have drafted a quarterback last year, for example, and now they're kind of facing the music. For Ryan and the Colts, I absolutely love it. I mean, Indianapolis sent a third-round pick for Matt Ryan, which is uh, less than uh, what Washington had to send for Carson Wentz, who was an inferior quarterback, and mm. Ryan's cap hit is lower than Carson Wentz's. So mm. know, I think this turns them into a playoff team. Uh, I'm happy for Matt Ryan, who, you know, was obviously in a very challenging situation in the last few days with Atlanta pushing back his roster bonus. I think this is the best possible outcome for him as well, and I think it makes the Colts a very fascinating squad. Mina, just to follow up with that, I think Amber and I were both surprised that it was only a third-round pick going back to Atlanta. How much do you think that, that that Matt Ryan deciding to push back that roster bonus that was due to him, him working with the Falcons with their pursuit of Deshaun Watson, played a role in them actually doing him a solid and sending him to a preferred destination? I think it's totally plausible, but I also think at this point in the quarterback carousel, and it's been insane, as you guys know, there weren't a ton of options left. I think, you know, it also just reflects the diminishing market for quarterbacks. Um, obviously, now you're seeing Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo be the ones affected by the fact that there just simply aren't many destinations left. Uh, you've got teams like Carolina, Seattle, arguably Pittsburgh that need quarterbacks, but some of those teams will probably look to the draft. Atlanta, you know, took on Marcus Mariota. So I, I think some of that factors into it as well. So let's talk about Baker Mayfield because you brought him up. Where does Baker Mayfield land? And I mean, is it, are we getting to a point where the Browns are going to have a a hard time here moving Baker's contract just four years removed from him being a number one pick? I think, yeah, we are there. Um, You know, I've said this on NFL Live. It kind of feels like musical chairs and Baker's the odd kid out. Um, I, I, I don't know if there's an obvious destination. I mean, you're hearing Seattle as a possibility, but if I'm Seattle, setting aside you know, the up-and-down performance last year, of course he was hurt, I don't know why you would give up much for him because what leverage does Cleveland have? There is no obvious market. So I think while it's possible a team 
like the ones I mentioned, Carolina, Seattle, whatever, might trade for him, I can't imagine they would trade very much. Well, Mina, we appreciate a few minutes of your time. Thanks for jumping on with us, and we'll talk to you again next week. Appreciate it, guys. All right, that's Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst and host of the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny Podcast. Get that wherever you get your podcast. Coming up next, your calls on the candy call-in line. We see all of you guys. We're going to get to you all. And then also, what does Baker Mayfield's future look like, and will he be a week one starter next season? Amber and I will chime in on that. You're listening to ESPN Radio back after this. ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio taking your calls on the Deshaun Watson situation on the Candy call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Let's go out to Ryan in New York. Ryan, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? Hey, how we doing? Doing pretty good. What you got for us? So I'm looking at John Gruden said some horrible things. He's now out of the NFL. Sean Watson does some horrible things, and he's getting a raise. Plus, he's going to play out whatever for his career now. Yeah, the the frustration and the optics of that obviously look terrible. Now, we know that Deshaun Watson plays football at, at a really high clip, and that is a very unusual skill. So we knew he was going to have a job in the NFL. And frankly, Chris, I mean, let's be real about it. If he had been indicted or if he had been convicted of a crime or if he had gone to jail, he still would have most likely had a job in the NFL after he served all of that time. So he was going to have a job in the NFL because he has a very particular an unusual skill set and talent, but the optics of the contract, him being the highest paid player in NFL history in the midst of all of that, that portion of it, I, I remain surprised and shocked by. Yeah, that's a huge commitment, but I think that was the only way the Cleveland Browns were going to be able to get Deshaun Watson to, to waive his no trade clause from the Houston Texans and agree to be traded to the Browns. Like, I, I think that that part of it can't be overstated. I, I think that's important when we start talking about how we got to this place. Our very own Jeremy Fowler said this morning on Get Up, that's what pushed the deal across the finish line, the fact that the Browns were willing to go where no other team was when it came to the finalists, that group of four teams, vying for Deshaun Watson's services. So I think the no-trade clause in all of it played a major part and Deshaun being able to command that kind of a a, a contract and, and get that deal redone. Because if he doesn't have a no-trade clause, then he loses a lot of leverage. He doesn't have the chance to pick where his next spot would be. So it did you know, have a, a recruitment type of feel, an NBA free agency type of feel. So I do think that makes it a little bit different. But you're right. It's a bad look. The one thing I will say that makes this different, Amber, from the John Gruden situation is, is that there is actual evidence that John Gruden said things. They had the emails documented. The NFL had that through the research that they did into the well, then Washington football team. Well, well, here's the thing. We don't we, we don't but that's the thing. We don't know. And I think that's the difference in the two situations. We don't know the evidence when it comes to Watson's situation or any wrongdoing. We do know from John Gruden's situation that there was wrongdoing. ESPN Radio.
Does the contract make a bad situation worse for the Cleveland Browns in the NFL? That's the question we're asking on the Candy Call in line. Triple H say ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. You're listening to Amber Wilson and Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and E+. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. And Amber, let's hit up the Candy Call in line and bring on Mike in Texas. Mike, you're on ESPN Radio. What up? Hey, good afternoon. Um, my point is is that the uh, Cleveland Browns' ownership avarice for this player uh, made them uh, grossly underestimate what impact it was going to have on their fans. And uh, Goodell cannot do the same for the NFL. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go across the entire league as far as uh, fans, and he has to come down hard. And if it's only going to cost Deshaun $1 million and that's the bar, well, then he needs to uh, suspend him for that entire year. And on top of that, he needs to suspend him for three games for each remaining outstanding um, uh, lawsuit that's out there with each one of these, uh, these women. I do wonder, Chris, if there is going to be a swerve here by the NFL. Cause I think you and I both thought, and, and, and there's some precedent for it, obviously under the CBA, it's a six game minimum with these types of allegations. And I think we thought, Hey, it'd probably be six games, maybe something more like eight. Cause we have a lengthened season now as comparison mm. to say when this happened, when Ben Roethlisberger back in 2010. And so maybe we'll see between, you know, six and eight games, something like that. I do wonder now if the NFL looks at this because of the structure of the contract, because he just became the highest played payer, uh, played pay, player in NFL history because what Mina Kaim said on our show just now essentially this has helped his bargaining position which is frankly unfathomable to think that you could be accused again people keep focusing on the pendency of these proceedings with these civil suits we're probably never going to get a resolution there because he's probably going to settle these suits and we're never going to hear about it and it's not going to come with an admission and we're never going to know the terms and settling civil suits certainly doesn't mean that he necessarily did or did not do these things so we're probably never really going to get the result that we want and so people keep focusing on that but we know the allegations are there regardless the allegations are there and the mere optics of 22 more than that technically but 22 women with allegations on file in civil court against you for sexual misconduct and sexual assault and it actually helps you get paid more in the NFL the NFL cannot allow those optics and so I do wonder now if they pivot and the suspension looks different than we originally expected Uh, I don't see them going that route Amber I I just the NFL I'm looking at it from the standpoint of them having some form of evidence to base their suspension on and this is not something that is just with the NFL. I mean, there there are also implications when it comes to the precedence that they've set with dealing with players that have been in, you know, comparable situations. And I get it. We're in a different time and space than we were with Ben Roethlisberger. But again, it comes down to what can be proven versus allegations. And it becomes a slippery slope when the NFL looks at whatever discipline schedule that they already have in place uh, with their special investigator, with Lisa Friel and that department. So I think it, 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 it would put a lot it – would, it would be a lot to ask the NFL to come out with a suspension that we haven't seen, something that is you know essentially unprecedented in the history of the NFL when we don't have any actual proof – that Deshaun Watson did anything besides well, what what's on the record from the depositions 
of what the women are saying and versus what Deshaun Watson is saying. Well, let's be clear about this because people keep going back to proof. Let's be clear about this. Sure. First of all, the NFL is doing its own investigation. So Fair. part of that, of course, is gathering its own proof, right? No and, doubt. And, and, and interviewing the alleged victims and interviewing Deshaun Watson. And we know that there was a huge delay there because they weren't going to interview Watson until the resolution of the criminal investigation. So they didn't get in the way there. Uh-huh. So because obviously he can't speak freely and all that sort of stuff. So they are taking their time with their investigation here, but they are investigating. So they are gathering their own facts and proof. All they need to know is that he violated the league's conduct policy. They don't frankly need to know whether he actually committed these acts because that the conduct policy is going to be very vague the way it's written. It's like a morals clause in a lot of employment contracts, right? That is a low bar for whether he violated that. That's where a lot of these suspensions come from. It's not necessarily. I don't yes, think the conduct, the conduct policy is not as it. ambiguous as you're suggesting it is, Amber. It's not. I, but I, it doesn't. I, if he's suspended, yeah, it doesn't mean he did these things. Like it's no, not the no. NFL concluding he did these things, and that's my point. It's the NFL concluding. Yeah, that this the, exactly. He it's, violated it's, it's the conduct the dis- policy. It's to it's the, the discretion of Roger Goodell whether there's enough there. It's not like it's a court of law where you actually right. have to prove that he's guilty of it. It's is there enough there to reflect poorly on the National Football League? And I think the answer to that question is probably going to be yes. But even with that being said, I don't see the NFL suspending Deshaun Watson any more or less because of the contract that the Cleveland Browns gave to him, although I will acknowledge that the contract is a bad look for the NFL. Let's go out to Pamela in D.C. Pamela, you're on the candy calling line on ESPN Radio. What's up? Hey, good afternoon. I love your show. Um, I just wanted to make one comment. I already heard this morning on another show talking about the contract issue. And this is not the first time this was done. If you go back to Deflate Gate, this was done for Tom Brady also. His contract was rearranged and money was given to him through the bonus structure so he would not lose money when he was suspended. So I just think we need to make sure we're not creating a false narrative and we are, you know, it's not Amber, and Pamela, this. Pamela, Pamela. It's not a false narrative, and we hear you a hundred percent. The no only thing I will say is when it comes when it comes to this, when it comes to the nature of the allegations versus what Tom Brady did, yep. that's apples and ranches, completely different. Exactly. More your calls on Deshaun Watson and the new contract, and whether the optics will hurt the NFL. 